What separated your deep ball from everybody else? My deep ball, it has a little secret sauce to it, man. <laughs> I never get too high, never get too low, but just keep moving. The, the whole story is Carlos never beat me in any kind of sports in, in, in high school. Welcome to the Orange is the New Black podcast. I'm your host, H Boogie, joined by my co-host, Zim Hude. Zim, say what's up. What's up? We got a lot of activity today, man. We got a lot of different things going on in, in Bengaland. Before I even get into that, how are you doing today as a person? How was your day, Ace? Uh, it's going all right. It's, it's kind of up and down, but it's not about how it started. It's about how you ended. So right. it's all good. You need Another to say day of bug round is always good. You need to say that daggone polo off and get right into this book. But the matter of fact, if you want to feel good, just go ahead and put that damn Burrow jersey on or something like that. You got to get fully out of work mode and get right into this. <laughs> Joe Burrow was recently cleared, and we already knew this. We knew he was strong. We knew all these different things happening. And as we're streaming this, my boy James just sent me the, the, the link where absolutely Joe worked out with C.J. Uzama and Jamar Chase earlier today. So that is confirmed. But uh, his doctor, Neil, um, is saying that he's clear for week one. What do you? How do you feel about that? What are your expectations? Hey, uh, I think I'm excited. I think I'm excited for sure. And I think that his best case scenario, uh, like you said, and I think I'm just ready for to see him week one. I mean, Joey B back in the flesh, on point. Obviously, the rehab is going well. I'm just ready to see Joey B week one because we need him for that for that Vikings game and that Bears game. I mean, we need him for the whole season. Let's just keep it a buck. But I think there's going to be a lot of energy in the building, I think, week one. I actually booked my ticket to the preseason game. I know he's not going to play in it, but they were coming down to Tampa. I think that's week one since the preseason uh, schedule release. And so I just want to see Chase. I don't know how it's going to work with – now they have one less uh, preseason game. So I don't know if they're going to play in the first game. They're not going to play in the last two games or what. Uh, but, you know, it's just going to be an exciting time for the Bengals to see how the line holds up and how Joey B comes back. I mean, that first pass to Chase is probably going to be something for sure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean, thinking even preseason, I think Joe probably is going to want to get into the whole regimen of just – Coming to the games, uh, you know, maybe not maybe not in full gear or whatever, but, you know, warming up, some of those things like that. So I think you'll, you'll see some of those early videos of just him going through his throwing uh, routine before a game because he's got to feel – there's only three preseason games, but he's got to feel what it feels like to walk out the tunnel, just get your mind and your mental and everything on one accord with your body to get ready for that week one that he was just cleared for. Yeah, and it's crazy because when you really think about it, last season, you got to remember that first game, he had no preseason. It was his first game. Um, and so it, it seems like his sophomore year could potentially start off the same way. But I'm just excited, bro, like seeing T. Higgins and Jamar Chase at OCAs and seeing that kind of get started this week. It's really just got me pretty excited to see what this offense is going to be like, what the changes really are from – from the offensive line standpoint, how that's going to look, what the new weapons. I mean, they just signed Trent Taylor this week. I just did a video on him on uh, my channel, and I was honestly kind of impressed with him. Like, 
Not saying that, you know, he's going to be this amazing addition that we had, but I think that he's a very solid, under-the-radar, potentially better than Alex Erickson kind of player, but will still be in that role. Like, he's going to be a slot receiver for us. But I think that, you know, this dude might be an under-the-radar signing, like, honestly. So it looks like um, Trent Taylor could potentially be a guy that could make a push. And, you know, that's just super interesting to me because when I first saw the signing happen, I was just like everybody else. Who is this guy wearing 18? Like, I don't know who this guy is wearing 18, but, you know, and I heard the name and then I was like, that name sounds familiar. I don't know why I remember that name, but somehow I remember Trent Taylor from like back in the day. And so I kind of dug into him a little bit and realized like he's a pretty solid player. Like you go back and look at his game pass film, like he's making clutch catches on third down with Jimmy Garoppolo in the first team. So I think he could potentially come into Cincy and just have a role. I think I also heard something. I haven't seen any highlights of it, but I think he's also a kick returner or a punt returner. Um, so he adds just another um, death piece to the wide receiver room. And I really like how they're kind of renovating the wide receiver room because you got T. Higgins. It kind of started last year. You re-signed Tyler Boyd. You brought in T. Higgins. You just added Jamar Chase. You still got Auden Tate. You went and signed Trent, Trent uh, Taylor. So, you know, they're really getting this room together, and I'm really excited to see what the product will be on the field. Joe Mixon, we talk, the, running back, the running back competition is somewhat intriguing, too. You know, I did look into Puka Williams last week as well. And then you also talk about Chris Evans. You talk about my guy, Jacquez Patrick, coming in. I'm anxious to see a lot of those battles in those areas and how they're going to play out. Uh, but, Zim, what are just your thoughts on the addition of someone like Trent Taylor and just the excitement around OTAs, like, kicking hey, back you gotta off? you got to be quiet. For me? <laughs> that, for was, my- that, was, that wasn't you. <laughs> Just a heads up. Nah, go ahead. Hold on, hold on. This isn't muted? Nah. What in the heck? So that happened earlier in the show, too. Yeah. <laughs> All good. I got you. All good. All right. Okay. All right. So somebody hit me on Twitter and said, man, I can't wait for you and Ace to debate about this. And I was like, what? Because I guess when we first signed them, you must have did a YouTube on your channel. On New York City. So for me, he's Alex Erickson 2.0. And so that is a solid wide receiver, a, a shorthanded person, not going to make mistakes, not going to drop the ball. But people were selling him as a returner like heavy to me. And I went and looked because in the middle of that, I just so happened to be looking at tape and I was like cutting up something because I was about to do a video or something on like Brandon Wilson and Darius Phillips. I went and looked at it. This dude just had 54 attempts. And only 50 in out of those 54 attempts, he had 52 fair catches. That sounds like Alex Erickson <laughs> in his last year, at, you know, for Bengals land. Um, right. but but that doesn't that doesn't mean that's not everything, you know, to play in a wide receiver. But t- to me, for him to make this team is going to be because he has like return abilities. And I would hate for us to miss out on um, a potential impact player like Darius Phillips returning punts and Derek Brandon Wilson uh, doing kickoffs. 
And someone posed to me that was like, well, what if he, Darius Phillips doesn't want to do it? I think because of the different things that have happened online, um, as far as like maybe Darius Phillips not feeling, um, you know, everything that, you know, was going on with them signing the Eli Apple thing and everything like that. He's going into the, you know, the final year of his rookie contract. The Bengals have all the leverage. So it doesn't sound like he – I think he thinks that he's a lot better than what they have him set up to be, and I don't think the Bengals really value him that way or they wouldn't have brought in uh, the corners that they did. You know, you'd be looking at Darius Phillips potentially on the outside. That's not even a possibility. So to me, what are the things that he does really, really well? Well, I know when he was returning kicks, he damn near led the National Football League at 21.9 yards a clip. And I know that in the Pac-Man mode, he doesn't really do a lot of fair catches. If you go back to college or whatever, he returns. So a lot of people are pushing for Trent um, that I've, I guess just people I've talked to as a return person. I want people to really, really get on board with Darius Phillips returning. Now, people say he might not last that long. Well, that's why you probably got him at returner. And, you know, if somebody goes down or Wuzier or Trey isn't hitting on all cylinders, you know that Darius Phillips is more incapable of filling that role. But I just think that in the division, we're on paper, we are the last team in in, on, in defense. We're, we're the worst defense in the division on paper, right? We haven't played any football yet. How do you change that? How do you offset that special teams? So for me, if I can change the field, tilt the field in Joe, Joe Burrow's uh, favor, especially early in the season, that's going to go a long way. So um, I like what Trent will offer from a wide receiver position. To me, I think that uh, Mike Thomas will probably beat him out as far as a, a wide receiver. I was looking at that Damian uh, – what's his name? Damian Willis just signed with uh, – I'm sorry we're doing this live on the show, but he just signed the other day. So, was you know, it with like, the Broncos? I believe so. I think so. I, I Broncos are – yeah, I, I, I'll look that up. Um, but he just signed, so – you know, it's really just Scotty Washington, Trent Irwin, Mike Thomas, and now you got Trent. Yeah, he signed with the Broncos. With the Broncos, okay. So, initially I was like, you know, I like him as another option at wide receiver. But you, Oh, and then you also have Stanley Morgan, too. So, uh, I think he, he's, he's going to be a good camp body. I mean, he, you know, like everything in this league is about availability. So, if he's available and some of these guys I'm naming aren't, I can see him easily making the team. No, nah, that's fact. I think um, I think with Darius Phillips, he's taking it personal. But you got to realize and you got to think back to like that second Browns game. Like we had people that were way behind Darius Phillips starting in that game. Uh, and so I think that they just really tried to log jam that position with as many corners as they could. Uh, but I think you're right. I think he, he's best suited as having that role as a return man, which is electric because he could potentially take that to the house. Um, and then you never know, that might bode him more opportunities for being able to get in if he has some electric returns. We obviously saw him have some electric interceptions. So we have to see. And, I mean, the preseason is big for somebody like him. Like, if he goes into the preseason and let's just say he has two interceptions or something like that, maybe three. Let's just say three. Well, no, that's that's probably too much. So let's say two, right? They probably have to consider playing him. Like, sometimes you can play your way into doing that. And I think that I remember Asante Samuel telling this story about how he was in the doghouse with the Patriots. And Bill Belichick didn't want him to play. And he essentially benched him, right? And what ended up happening was there were some injuries that happened. And Bill was forced 
to put Asante Samuel in. And Asante Samuel had like two interceptions in that game and took one to the house. And even though Bill didn't want him to play, he had – you can't sit a guy that just had a pick six and a pick in the game. And if Darius Phillips can do something like that, that can always change anything. So I think if if he takes that approach or if that happens, I think that'll bode well for him. But let's talk about some big news um, that was just announced on Bengals.com. The Bengals are expecting a crowd at next week's start of OTAs, courtesy of our man Jeff Hobson. This came out um, as we're recording this on May 19th. You'll probably be listening to this on May 20th. But as of uh, May 19th at 5 o'clock, Jeff Hobson is saying that fans can definitely uh, be at the start of OTAs. How big is that? That's huge, man. I can't tell you how many people message me and just say, "Can I come to? If can I come to games this year? If if I'm not vaccinated, or there are a lot of different questions with the vaccination going on too. So for them to put this out and um and welcome people going into OTAs, that's that's really big for me. One of the things early on, and I think we're like a year removed from this, but one of the things that I think a lot of people were looking at last year or the void of it was crowd noise. And I mean, even, even in an OTA practice or whatever, there's a lot of oohs and ahs and stuff. If you've ever been to an OTA. So I think that's important. <laughs> I th- players like, man, I remember we asked AJ and he said, you know, it wasn't a big deal, you know? Um, but watching it at home, like some of these games and different things, like when I went to stuff live, it is really different with a with a small amount of people. So I don't know. Have they put out there that they put a cap on how many people can come? Now, now I'm wondering, like, if OCAs are even open to the public, because now that I'm reading the article, it seems like Jeff is really particularly talking about the players. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if they are allowing fans to be there or not. So it just seems like they're actually the crowd that he's referring to apparently must be. Uh, some of the players, apparently. So I think some OTAs, I thought that some were public, though, and some were close to the public. Like, I don't know. Or maybe it's the media or something like that. Guess we're going to find out. So by the time this airs, maybe we'll have more answers or maybe you guys have the answers. Feel free to comment. Make sure you subscribe to New Stripe City. Make sure you subscribe to my channel, uh, Zim Hude, on YouTube as well. And in the comments, let us know. Yeah, definitely, because if they're going to let the fans back, yeah, y'all got to let us know that. Send us, like he said, some mentions or comment on the videos. Um, But just uh, in OTAs in general, what is just something that you're, like, looking forward to? Obviously, they only have shorts on, but what is something that you're looking forward to in OTAs? Can Joe Burrow even practice in OTAs? It's kind of like a gray area, right? Right, right. I don't. I, I think he's gonna be doing all his work off the field. Like you, right? Can, I can't. Th- I can't imagine him. You know, he's like going through. Like, he's not going to go through the drills. Maybe he'll go through the throwing stuff with with everybody, but he's not going to be going through like any of the the eleven on elevens or anything. Yeah, like exactly. I would think eleven on eleven work is probably off limits, but he'll probably be like on the side, probably working with CJ Uzoma, who's working his way back or something like that, but. It would be dope to see him throwing the to Jamar Chase on the sideline. That's super tricky because I mean, yeah, that's super tricky. I don't know how they're gonna handle that because at some point, 
they're going to want to, without no preseason, right? At some point, mm-hmm. they got to figure out a way to get Joe, like, in the, in the scheme of this is the speed of the game. Like, you could right. do all the off, you could do all the on the, on the little, the little side field throwing, throwing, throwing. But at some point, you got to feel the pass rush and do some things. I don't know if they'll, like, later on in OTAs, or I think it'll probably be beyond that, like, practice, like, going into preseason or something probably put a yellow jersey on them and then start having them do stuff. But, of course, you couldn't touch them. Right. That, that's a that's a hard thing. I mean, somebody posed that to me earlier today. They said, okay, uh, Joe, like somebody criticized him on ESPN about, like, they don't think he's mentally going to be ready for week one. And the guy hit me and said, man, they must don't know Joe Burrow. But I'm like, Joe Burrow could be the most strong-minded person in the world. The anxiety that – a human being has for something of something brand new or something they haven't done in a long time doesn't just skip everybody, you know. Like for some right. people, that their butterflies are like that quick. You snap the ball and it goes. But he is got it's going to be a little bit of you know because I'm sure he reads this stuff too. So some right. of the stuff in the back of his head has got to pop up. So that's a, that's going to be a true testament. And I think as Bengals fans, we have to be really, really patient, you know, like this, you know, like especially this whole entire first year. I think it might not be until like week eight or so where we're now leveling like these expectations. But one of the things that I want uh, the Bengals staff to understand is that for real Bengals fans, we're not banking this season. (laughs) You know, like, of course, we want to see a step up based on the weapons and these different things that we've done all season. But I'm not trying to die with Joe Burrow trying to prove to the rest of the league that he could ball. Like, we know he could ball. Right. And he's, and he's got another 15 years to do it. You know what I mean? So right. those that's one of the challenges I want them to be able to tackle early on and, and not force them to do anything um, or put them in some real tough situations early on. I think the first thing I'm looking at in terms of OTAs is – the offensive line and where they, they line up. So I want to do something. Uh, we were supposed to be in the trenches today, but we're definitely going to get that um, coming to you guys soon. So stay tuned for that. Um, we'll probably have something for you guys on that. But I want to ask you, um, and I want, I'm going to do it myself, but I'm going to name like my projected starters for the trenches and who I think like, who I think is going to be the starting offensive line and who you think, will be the Bengals starting offensive line. And so at left tackle, I think this one is is pretty obvious. The Bengals have made it known that they want to have Jonah Williams as Jonah Williams as their left tackle. Left guard is where it gets interesting. And I've been listening around and I've I've kind of heard some dark horses there. I've never been quite sold on the left guard position as others. Like there's some people that are say like, oh, it's just a right guard problem. I've always felt like it was a left guard and right guard problem because, you know, the left guard is where the injury kind of happened from last year. So for me, it was always like, okay, who's going to play left guard? And I've been listening to the In the Trenches podcast with Day Lapham. If you haven't subscribed to that, please be sure to go and check that out. But I think I'm going to go with the dark horse pick that he had, and I'm going to go with Hakeem Adenergy at the left guard position because I think that that's super interesting. I think Hakeem – Honestly, was pretty solid last year, especially for a six-round pick. And the ironic thing is a lot of the linemen that Zach Taylor has picked 
it might not have been studs, but they were at least solid. Like you didn't have any bust or guys that, you know, just fell through. So I'm going to go with Hakeem Adenergy there. Then at center, it's tough because uh, you got you got Billy Price there, who's 100% healthy, and then you got Trey Hopkins, who's not 100% healthy. And Trey Hopkins is coming off of an ACL injury. And then you also have Trey Hill in the mix there that they just drafted. But I doubt that they would give a rookie – you know, the the you know, a center supposed to let people know where their protections are. He might are. come out there, he might come out there blowing people up. <laughs> nah, it, it maybe if it was a two-man battle, but a three-man battle for me just makes it too hard for Trey Hill to come in and start day one. But as I'm saying, if he comes in and blows it up, you had no choice. But I'm gonna say I'm going to go with Trey Hopkins for now. Like, I got to see it. He might, depending on if he starts on the pup list or not, this may blow this whole thing up. But I'm going to say Trey Hopkins at center. At right guard is Jackson Carmen, and at right tackle is Riley Reef. It's pretty much that simple to me. Zim, what are your thoughts on what the line should be? Okay. Unless they sign Morgan Moses. This is my line. Left tackle, Jonah Williams. They've said it a million times. It is what it is. My left guard, to me, is the only battle that we're going to see this offseason. And it's going to be a free-for-all. But I got Xavier Sulafilo starting uh, at left guard. And it's just it's based on how he finished the season, how the staff talks about him. He finished the season top 15 in the NFL at guard play his last two, three games uh, with PFF. Uh, he played five games total in the season. They got him charted at six. The one game he was injured and only played like five snaps. But when he was healthy, he graded out really, really well. He's paid more than Quentin Spain. He's paid more than Akeem Adenogy. So by default, I'm going to go Xavier Sulafilo if he's healthy. If I go to center, then I'm going to go with Billy Price. I just think that Trey Hopkins tearing his ACL was at week 16 or week 17 is just too close to this. Throw him out there like that. Like we, we, Joe Burrow in contrast, what tore his ACL week eight? Yeah. Week, no, no, no. He played ten games. Like week ten. Week ten, I think it was. Okay. So yeah. So for Trey Hopkins, normally would be the starter, but I'm gonna go with um, Billy Price. I wouldn't rule out them signing a veteran center slash guard like Easton or somebody like that still out there. I yeah. thought they would have signed Blythe. I wouldn't rule that out, too. And if that guy comes in, I think that, that guy could potentially start. Uh, right guard um, is got to be Carmen. I've been saying it over and over again. For you to draft him in the second round, it made it very clear that that's what they want him to do year one and potentially go into a right tackle spot. It's got to be Carmen or the pick is not warranted. I don't want to hear about no projects, uh, conversion from tackle to guard, whatever. It's got to be Carmen. Or to me, the the pick is filled in year one. It's too early to sell, but it's filled year one because that guy, second round, is a premium pick for offensive lineman, uh, for a guard for sure. Uh, right tackle is going to be Riley Reef. It's the reason they gave him the stake. <laughs> so it, it, my next thing was Morgan Moses. So this thing comes comes out that the Washington football team is giving them. Uh, uh, if you guys don't aren't familiar with Morgan Moses, he's played seven years in the league, played at a very high level. I'm, I live in the D.C. area between Moses and um, Trent. 
uh, Trent and uh, what's the dude that we were potentially going to Brandon Scherf and Brandon Scherf. Those three made them just them three guys had made them a top ten line for the last five, like the last seven years. Like, like that's the way it's been around here, and they're, they're solid. Those guys, whatever. But Morgan Moses is a step above Riley Reef. You would have a conversation with Riley Reef to say, hey, look, I know we brought you here with that nice, delicious steak, but we now need you to move to left guard. Now that conversation that we were talking about with Xavier Sulafilo or Quentin Spain, now they get the snip snip because Xavier right. Sulafilo takes up 2.7 in the cap. Morgan Moses gets paid 7.5, which is a really good salary for a top, what I'm considering a top 20 guard in the NFL. You t- snap that 2.7 off the books. They have space anyway. Um, you know, it's essentially like you're getting them for five mil in difference. That's a right. good deal for a top. So now we're talking, we're back to square one, like with the whole Panay thing. It's like you bring a guy in where we would have actually reaped the move, and now it tilts the line. So now it's not a top. I think on paper right now, to me, they're top 15. Offensive line on paper r- related to other teams. We've yet to see this this five play, but on paper, grading out 15. Adding uh Morgan Moses will put them in a, a, a probably like 11th, 10th, like you know, like top of the league type stuff. So that's where right. that, that energy is coming from. No, I'm with you. If they were able to to make a move like that to bolster the offensive line, I, I can't wait to see what they do. I'm interested too to see. With the June first stuff coming up, like, are there any moves that they're gonna make then? Because that's when the new fiscal year is, so teams are gonna have to pay guys. They're gonna have to make some difficult decisions in terms of moving on from guys. And so, I'm interested to see what they do there. But Zen, was there anything that you wanted to say before we get out of here? No, <laughs> I, I really don't. You know, it's a- where'd you get that shirt from, bro? Show. <laughs> <laughs> this is a shirt that I've gotten um, recently that I'm really, really proud to like talk about. But I want to, I want to wait. I want to wait a second. Okay. I want to wait before I unveil every everything to everybody. But some people may know where I got this shirt from. But stay on the lookout because I got a couple different shirts that I want to unveil. Yeah. Telling people, it's the tiger it's tail on the on the Y is fire though. If you're if you're watching this on uh, YouTube, subscribe to Zim Huday's YouTube. It's Zim Huday on YouTube. Also, be sure to uh, follow him on Instagram at Zim underscore Huday. Uh, follow me at New Stripe City on Twitter and on Instagram. You can also find my YouTube channel on uh, well, you can find my YouTube channel on YouTube, obviously at New Stripe City. And then I also have one that's called AFC North Talk. If you if you're interested in hearing that schedule breakdown, we just did that one, and I kind of just trashed the Steelers. So if you want to just watch me just trash the Steelers, why Tony Serino was gone and at his uh, sister's wedding, be sure to check that out. Um, <laughs> but with that, I'm gonna end this with a yes. Hello world. What separated your deep ball from everybody else? My deep ball it has a little secret sauce to it, man. <laughs> uh, never get too high, never get too low, but just keep moving. The, the whole story is Carlos never beat me in any kind of 